My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you about horrific reveries on the Reverie True Crime Podcast, wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Well, hello there. Hello, Victoria. How are you? I'm really well, despite the dribbly weather. (laughs) Is that the only thing that's dribbling in Plymouth? (laughs) Everything's dribbling in Plymouth. (laughs) Something to do with the age, I think. (laughs) And the fact that you've had a child. Doesn't that have an impact? You keep picking on that. You can have a child and spring back, you know. I'm living testament. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the thing is, though, I think you know you're very you you you're you're a very lucky lady to have a child because there are lots of women who'd love to have children and can't have them or don't have them. <laughs> Thank you. Where's this going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we this wasn't rehearsed. What it, we never what rehearsed was, anything anyway. What, what was rehearsed, rehearsed was that we were going to be nicer to listeners. So oh. welcome. I've tried to say it. This is thrice now. I've tried to say it. <laughs> welcome. If you're a new listener, this is how we go on. Yep. Welcome so to everybody. And I think, do, do, do I owe you, hang on, do I owe you an apology or should I be gloating? Because I think we've had some listener feedback saying that they love it when I'm nasty to you. So, <laughs> or is it that they love it when you're nasty to me? I can't remember which. Oh, you're just a bad boy, Ben. Oh, God, I'm a bad old man. What, like a, but what, do, what is it that women say that I think is slightly verging on the victim status? I love a bad boy. God. <laughs> I don't. And, and, and so then you apologize. get these whining guys saying, "Oh, girls never like nice guys like me." And it's like, no wonder you're just whining. Of course they don't. No, you got to be as horrible as possible, like Ando. But no one likes it's... him. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> Nobody likes me. So, who are you then? I'm Ben Ando. The unlikable. I'm a a former BBC News correspondent. I used to be the crime reporter for a while. Um, And now now I'm free and live every week on your podcast. Come and get it. I'm Victoria Mitzi and I have to endure this once, once weekly. I'm a journalist. I'm a general mucker about her in Plymouth, but that's all going to end. I am a super sleuth in the local area, getting quite a reputation now, and I'm a fitness queen and I love to dance. You know, a super sleuth, that's the same as a blooming stool pigeon or snitch, isn't it? <laughs> is it? I thought a, sl- well, no, a snitch is a different thing. A super sleuth is the same as a busybody, a nosy neighbour. Your curtains <laughs> yeah. always twitching. <laughs> Not just my curtains. Oh, I don't want to think about what's twitching in Plymouth. <laughs> I don't want to think about what's twitching in Cambridgeshire. <laughs> Too many things are twitching in Cambridgeshire. Anyway, back to this apology. Yes. Um, I what, don't what are we sorry believe for? it's just listener interaction that you have to apologise about, Ando. Uh, what else do I have to apologise about? Um... Okay, we we get together to record this podcast. Uh, hang on, I do know what I've got to apologise about. <laughs> I can't believe you're mentioning my you're on the spot, fiasco. and I'm not editing any of this out now. So, <laughs> okay. so we recorded a podcast 
and it was <laughs> Go uh, on. We, we both I, I i really enjoyed it i'm sure i'm sure we, victoria kind of endured it through gritted teeth with that famous expression on her face but i really <laughs> i really enjoyed it and it was afterwards when i came to um sort of send the recording over that i realized that something had gone wrong What's possibly recording? Fing- possibly finger trouble at this end <laughs> and there was when he went there the cupboard was bare <laughs> oh well it wasn't the first time was it ben well yes it was the first time i don't think i've missed any recordings before oh i, I just meant about your bare cupboard oh yeah my cupboard's always bare <laughs> so uh yeah well sorry where was that apology then <laughs> Oh, I, I, yes, I suppose what I've done there is I've reported what happened. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> that I... was a crime, a crime of audio. But st- just out of interest, I mean, OK, I'm very sorry, but just out of interest, exactly, wh- exactly what am I apologising for? I mean, it was a mistake. For being a dumb cop. Like... So, and this it... apology. Yeah, so, what, so just out of interest, <laughs> what exactly am I apologising for? Uh, for not pressing record. I'm yes, sorry. No, I understand. B- I understand BBC I... former correspondent <laughs> fails to Look, press record. That's yeah, the headline. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. License I made... fee wastage. <laughs> We're not getting any share of the license fee for this rubbish. <laughs> uh, I do understand that. But what have I somehow put you about then? Have I put you out? Has it caused you disgruntlement? Uh, another hour or so, and then all the setting up. You've no idea, listeners, how arduous. Hello, can I text you before I can WhatsApp you and then I can maybe telephone you? Are we systems go? Okay, message me before you call me. Bring, well, I'll tell you bring. What. It's what, Fernando what? on the phone. What? <laughs> Why don't you put this all on a recording, put it on a premium phone line and people can dial 0898 to hear Mitt's moan? <laughs> well, that's quite what everyone's doing here. So it's not let's the kind get of moaning they it. might have in mind, but there we go. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Victoria? You're going to have to wait because my tabs have just crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Now who owes who an apology? It's a COVID special. We're talking about naughty SMPs. Oh, we are, yes. Tell me more. Tell me more about MP Margaret Ferrier. Well, there's been massive outcry for her resignation. And she travelled, we worked out about 400 miles, was it? With a suspected COVID, should have been self-isolated. Self-isolating, she went to Parliament. Yeah, but the thing is, she so she 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 has these, you know, she has some minor symptoms. I don't know if it's a cough or a temperature, whatever it was. She goes and gets tested. And then what, while she's waiting for the test results, she travels on the train down to London. She meets up with MPs. She goes to Parliament. She, I think she said something in the House of Commons. She, she has goes dinner. to a sauna and massage parlour. She, she, she has dinner with a colleague. <laughs> and then she gets a positive result. So it's like, OK, wow, she's had contact with all these people when she should have been isolating. And Done yes, selfies at she, the swimming pool. Well, she went to, did you see the photo of her at the swimming pool? Very proud. She was very proud of that pool shot with all her clothes on. She didn't even go in, did she? All she went for was a moustache depilation. Well, all, at the swimming pool, all I was eagerly looking for in the background was that poster that dates from the 1970s that says, um, no running, no bombing and no petting. That's what she was actually trying to take a selfie of, but she it was a bad selfie. <laughs> She's only got her bad self to blame. Have you ever been petted in a swimming pool, Mitz? but we were quite interested about this petting definition weren't we um and it runs on from the halden 
Devon dogging story that we covered <laughs> about 10 episodes ago well, now. So you're saying that petting is like dogging? Well, I'm wondering why they're referring to pets to th- sexual activity. Really but odd. But it's been... A- it's been in swimming pools since like I don't know night like public information signs since about 1972. It seems like this. I this don't know. Quaint when was the last of... time you saw this sign? Really? When oh, did you last? Oh, quite recently. Oh, recently. Did, did it say yeah. no petting? I mean, okay, within the last couple of years, certainly. I think. Anyway. I actually think that swimming pool managers now put it in there as a bit of an in joke, and that nobody now wants to get rid of the no petting sign because it's come like it's become like this cultural thing that everybody laughs about the idea that they go to a swimming pool and stand there petting. I dare you the last time the, the last time is that that's me the next time you're getting down to it because you get down to it all the time these days um, what, you petting? go but you go let's am I a heavy some... petter <laughs> you are you fit that definition <laughs> I'm a better petter I dare you to go listen to me I dare you how old am I 12 um, to, to go let's do some petting see what, she, <laughs> see what he or she says well, I, I, I will let you know what he or she says after I've done, after I've been a trendsetter petter. <laughs> Can um, I just say that it does to refer? Okay, I'm looking at, I'm looking online now. It does refer uh, to stroke or pat an animal, and that is the cross, <laughs> that is the crossover, uh, to you know, touching and caressing. Sorry if I'm oh, so, getting everyone too. So hot if you're under standing in a swimming here. pool and you're you're touching and caressing somebody, you're petting them. I suppose yeah, I can see the sense in that in a way. <laughs> so if it's the kind of petting that you go up and tap a dog on the head kind of thing, I might do that in a swimming pool. I wouldn't do the other one. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, but about the dogging. You won't do any dogging. <laughs> no, I save that for outside the swimming pool. <laughs> so but Margaret does... Ferrier Margaret okay, sorry, Ferrier, sorry just one more question oh, because yeah, on I, you know how we get stuck whenever dogging gets mentioned we <laughs> yes. talk for about three oh, quarters of an talk, hour talk. about it I know you now, love dogging, talk point. dogging I want to know if petting does refer does kind of cross over into the action of you know stroking and caressing where does dogging come from <laughs> <laughs> We're still stuck on the dogging, dogging, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, what kind of style is that? Rough. <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs> You're barking mad. <laughs> I've got to stop. Right, uh, back to Margaret Ferrier. So I love the fact that, okay, she went to the swimming pool and she also, I'm not sure whether she went before or after, but she also went to a <laughs> beauty salon. I don't know whether she went to get her moustache to sort of waxed off or what it, what she went for. But you can't but, do that, Ben. You can't go. What? You can't depilate and then go to the pool. Do you can't ever you? shave your head and then go to the gym? Yeah, all the time. Oh well, it's not supposed to be done because it makes your skin irritated. Oh, what, so you get like a red mark? <laughs> yes, she gets a mark. Like <laughs> Are you saying that Margaret Ferrier might have had a sort of like a red mark round her mouth? <laughs> it may have been mistaken, perhaps one that's mistaken for something else. What could that what, be? What? I don't know. You told me, Victoria. We didn't talk about this. We haven't already had this in joke on the last podcast, everyone. <laughs> the one that Ben didn't record. <laughs> and yes, it's a dirty Sanchez. <laughs> dirty Sanchez. <laughs> Ferrier's had a dirty... She's gone to the swimming pool and people are looking at saying, you think she's just had a dirty Sanchez? Actually, all she's done is gone to get her moustache ripped off and then stand in a swimming pool for a selfie, which she's going to get in loads of trouble for. 
Anyway, it's swimming pool people are nudging each other and saying, you know what, she's just... <laughs> no, one's, no one wants to heavy pet her now. <laughs> Goodness me, no. No, no swimming, no bombing, no heavy petting and no dirty sanchez <laughs> And I think, Ben, really, you should give a definition for listeners, yeah, those of them that don't know what this could be. I- I think listeners can look up Dirty Sanchez. Okay, I don't think there are many listeners who won't know what a Dirty Sanchez is. Yeah, especially if you're listening to this, you dirty dog. Yeah, anybody listening to us, they're they're all Dirty Sanchez champions, aren't they? (laughs) Dirty champions. Anyway, Nicola... They put a flirty into their flirty Sanchez. (laughs) What's a flirty Sanchez? You turn up looking hopeful with a little bit of a kind of bull's horns around your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's what Mark Ferry was doing a flirty Sanchez tweets sort of like a photo of her in the pool saying great time at the local pool hashtag flirty Sanchez well at least she would have got something good out of it and I don't mean that I don't mean that but anyway, Nicola Sturgeon wanted. Well, didn't she want to come down really hard on her? <laughs> she did. <laughs> no one gets a dirty Sanchez in Scotland without Nicola knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going from now? I can't. Oh. I can't carry on. I can't. My eyes stop. are watering a bit. Um, anyway, anyway so- COVID crime. COVID crime. So COVID, this is a COVID crime. So anyway, so after this, the police have now apparently launched an investigation. Um, the Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards has been informed. And I think a lot of people are saying, you know, that she should... Well, Nicola Sturgeon, actually, you know, dirty Sanchez incidents aside, <laughs> Nicola, St- Nicola Sturgeon has said that she's spoken to um, Margaret Ferrier, who she says is a personal friend of hers, and has urged her to do the right thing and stand down as an MP. And even the... Um, the leaders of her own party at Westminster have urged her to stand down or sit down. I've got to take my bit of the track off here because I can't stop. I, I'm recovering. Anyway. <laughs> he's, okay. Um, I'm just reading quotes from people who want to, her to resign. That's straightening me up. Go on then. But it appears that she's not the only person flouting these restrictions. Well, she's not. No, you're right. I mean, this is the problem is that I think ever since Dominic Cummings didn't have to resign when he flouted the first lockdown. That made you very I, cross, didn't it? It didn't make me cross because, well, not, I mean, you know, I've got nothing against Dominic Cummings. I don't, I've never met him, don't know him. But the problem is, as soon as you have that, then it's a whole pour on corriger les autres. You know, you, you once that line has been drawn that you actually don't have to do anything if you break the rules, then Margaret Ferrier would say quite reasonably, why, should, why the hell should I stand down? OK, so I broke the rules, but, you know, your guy did and you didn't do anything about it. And similar, I mean, there have, there have been other, you know, parliamentarians who have behaved, shall we say, not particularly brilliantly during Well, at this. least she's being publicly shamed, which is, I know that sounds a bit condemning. <laughs> Touch condemning there from Mitzi. Um, but shame her, we, shame her now. What we're talking about with the rest of the COVID restriction flouting is quite serious because it was on Mar this weekend just gone, Andrew Mar's show on, on BBC One, that... The Prime Minister was on the Andrew Marr show and said, the things that we can do are the small things. We've got to be sensible. So it's coming from the top of the tree that this is these are the 
instructions yet people are not you know i've been out recently and had to tell there was some girls kind of running around when i was trying to i was in a shop and uh, and they had no masks on and i went over to the shop assistant and i was like because they just you know they were teenage girls and then as soon as well, the shop assistant went over one of them got her mask out and put it and they were like we really don't like them and i just thought i thought this is coming left right and center that people just aren't doing basic stuff and i you know these rules are there for a point and we will go on it sounds so exciting this point doesn't it that we're going to go on but I'm, somebody else is going to say it for us um, a warrior in fact we're hearing from the masked warrior later aren't we but now just shall we talk moment. now about, about uh, Northern Ireland's stupidest drugs mule Yes, let's do some drugs. <laughs> yeah, let's do some drugs indeed. So this is a great story in Belfast where um, uh, the police got a phone call um, early in the morning um, at the weekend um, from a road uh, in South Belfast saying <laughs> from somebody who had found a load of bags uh, on the ground full of a million pounds worth of uh, cannabis and that apparently had fallen off the roof of a lorry. So these didn't fall off the back of a lorry. They fell off the roof of a lorry. Um, this the, Supposedly, this cannabis had been strapped to the roof of the vehicle, but came loose and fell onto the hard shoulder. And so presumably this lorry driver arrives at wherever he's supposed to deliver these drugs to and... These the drugs kingpins of South Belfast <laughs> say right we want our drugs. He says oh, they're on the roof. No, they're not. Oh dear, <laughs> I suspect that's a lesson he'll learn. But what's going on there? Well, they do say suspected cannabis because I look at that photograph. So if you go, what would you have to Google to get this? I'll I'll tweet it on at YDLMF podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's Twitter. just been to the garden centre. No, no, I mean that I think there are some other things in there. They say suspected cannabis, but there are these two big white bags. Oh, I see there's black liners inside them. Either way, I bet the phone call was like... (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't talk. You talk. You talk. (laughs) (laughs) No, the police service uh, of Northern Ireland, the PSNI, says that this was a significant amount of drugs that's been taken out of circulation. And they also claim uh, it'll have a huge impact on organised crime. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this sounds to me like a rather disorganised crime, really. Well, a million pounds worth. This is bizarre, though, because when reading up on this, you realise that the police have not really got... They don't know where it came from they don't know anything about the suspected vehicle so essentially they've just got this whole load of drugs and they're going um what but i mean i I suppose the only way they can be sure it fell off the roof of a lorry having been supposedly strapped on is that they they must have they must have looked at some you know traffic cameras or whatever they've seen a lorry going along with stuff on the roof and then seen it later so they know they, they i'm sure they know what lorry they're looking for the fact is that lorry is probably in a you know locked away in an industrial unit somewhere so they haven't found it but they will have seen the, the, the footage of it stuff put one point with bags on the roof <laughs> clearly insecurely tied down along with this and granny later, their granny's later on the roof with, with as well <laughs> yes she was left but, somewhere um, else so um yeah so northern ireland's uh, worst possible ever drugs mule i mean you know they, they get drugs from what you know the caribbean all the way across the atlantic to to ireland <laughs> i said the sp- caribbean we last talked about it and i said that they rode them over in a dinghy from the caribbean to <laughs> illustrate in, illustrate the hardship of drug dealing well, yeah, I think they usually use high-powered performance boats. But, yeah, I mean, the principle is the same. Right? Here's the you question. Do, you still have to cross the Atlantic, yeah? I have a question for you. You Go find... On. OK, you, pejorative you, 
Ooh. You find a drugs haul and it's got sort of popped open bags like this of obviously weed. Do you or don't you? Do what? Call the cops? No, have a great big fat reefer. <laughs> yeah, I'd call the cops. I wouldn't have a reefer. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I gave up using drugs years ago. What's the point? If you enjoy your life, you don't need drugs. Oh, you're so boring. I am really boring, I know. <laughs> what if you enjoy your life, you don't do drugs? Who are you, Zamo? <laughs> yeah, don't do drugs, kids. No, I don't, <laughs> what drugs do I do? I've got no interest in drugs. Well, I mean, weed isn't drugs, me. it's a plant. It's still a drug. What do you drug. think, guys? We want to know who smokes pot. Do our audience smoke pot? Look, I don't mind if anybody wants to smoke pot. I'm you know, sure uh, younger members of my family don't, you do. You don't like it, though? I can't see the point of it. I don't. I don't feel the need for it. I mean, I like a. Uh, I like an alcoholic drink, but um, I can enjoy that in the comfort of my own home. And but what's I don't the difference? Like... Well, I mean, also, I don't smoke, so I don't really want to start smoking something. But if it's just the weed, you could smoke just the weed. Well, I don't want to smoke anything at all because I think it's not very healthy. I'm trying to pressure but... Ben Ando into getting high with me. <laughs> oh dear, no! I'm Imagine, always very low with you. That would be tragic. <laughs> Wouldn't it be tragic? No. If we'd I, end I up honestly, having an argument, one of us would cry. I mean, I guess the only... I suppose I could have some baked into a cake. They do that, don't they? They do do that. They maybe Okay, you make, you make me a hash cake then, Mitz. Ooh. Post it to me. I know, you. that's probably an offence, isn't it? Posting drugs through, through the mail. No, don't post it to me. <laughs> make me a hash cake. At some hey, point in the future... Which, cri- which true crime podcasts make the crime on the spot like we do? yes we're a true crime podcast go no further for any crimes they're our own crimes anyway masked warrior yes it's time to talk about masks again yes and let's hear what's the word on the street from London shall we with our reporter yeah so it's Victoria Mitzi it's Ben Ando and it's masked warrior yes it's me Mask Warrior, our roving reporter. Raving mad? Uh, um, uh, I don't even know what I am, but carry on. You are a witness. You're a reporter witness. Yes, yes. Tell us what you saw, what's been happening. The investigation of a crime. And the crime is, in my opinion, negligence, which may lead to manslaughter. That's quite an indictment. It is. And this is the story. Would you like me to tell it to you? Really, yes. On October the 1st, I believe, I entered Westbourne Park Tube Station. Westbourne Park Tube... Within the confines of Westbourne Park Tube Station is one solitary kiosk, built-in kiosk, as it were, with a roll-down shutter, okay? And behind it, as they serve coffee, and extremely expensively, but that's life. I went to buy a cup of coffee, and the chap wearing uh, behind the counter wasn't wearing a face mask. And I, as the face mask warrior, said to him, why aren't you wearing a face mask? It's the law. He said, it's too hot. I said, well, you're supposed to be wearing one. He smiled. That was the end. I said, I'm going to report this to the police. He smiled. I left. I looked for the British Transport Police's phone number and called. Well, there's a message not on the website on the telephone line. So you have to go to the website if it's not a crime of violence or something like that. Anyway, I decided it was because what is the point of uh, face masks if not to stop people 
damaging, killing potentially other people. Masked Warrior, was the message about a crime of violence? Yeah, well, I can't remember. You have to look. Yeah, I think, I think uh, what you said to me was that it was a kind of a, a crime that interfered with people's well-being or something along those lines. You know, it's, it's basically saying if it's some sort of personal attack, if you, you know, we can go to that in a minute. But anyway, it is about that, and I decided it was not about a loss of property. This is about something serious. So I stayed on the line, somewhat with some trepidation, because I thought I was going to get bollocked by the person who picked the phone up. But when the person picked it up and I reported to him, it, it didn't do that. But what he did do was to tell me I was, I was wrong, that it wasn't a crime, that it wasn't an offence, that it was a guideline. I said, it has been since last Thursday. He said, it hasn't. We had then had another straight, more strange conversation in which he asked me if I'd ever seen a policeman without a mask. I don't know what that had to do with the price of fish. But anyway, uh, and then he asked me what my name was. I said, I'm not giving my name. This is anonymous. And he said, well, I've got your number. I said, well, fine. And then he said, I will get a supervisor to ring you back. And he did. And a few hours later, the supervisor rang me back, who told me the man, the policeman manning the telephone line originally, and it was a policeman and not a member of the public, as it were, you know, civilian, told me, he said to me, he was wrong. I was right. It is an offence, which, of course, it is, because you can't go around fining 100 or 200 people, 200 pounds, for, a, you know, not um, following a guideline, but you can for breaking the law. So the... the the first thing this illustrates is that the police, people are not properly trained or as confused as the rest of us are as to what the regulations are, as to what happened. Apparently, there was a, it would be escalated. Uh, by the way, the first policeman who had been confused told me after a conversation they couldn't get anybody round to the... Um, to the station that day at all. The second policeman told me that it would be escalated. I don't know what that meant, but I think they were going to talk to the station, to TFL or to the employers or whatever. But this did not, it seemed to be involved, a police visit to see the man. So it went on. And then yesterday, to, and by the way, I'd already, I did take a photograph of the chap not wearing the mask and offered it to send it to police as evidence. They declined. Yesterday, I was back at the same station. Two days later, there was a girl behind the counter, a woman. I don't want to get denigrate her by, you know, not giving her equal status with the original man, a woman, although a younger woman, and I suspect looking at her, possibly the daughter of the first person. However, I have no, I, that's just pure surmise on my part. So I said to her, you're not wearing a mask. She said, I forgot it. I said, that's not an excuse. You're supposed to be. It's the law. She just laughed. So I left. I've called the police. And I said to her, I'm going to call the police. And I called the police again. And I spoke to another person. And I pointed out that two days later, nothing had been done. She was still there, behind there, not wearing a mask. Now, I'm now waiting for another phone call back from another policeman supervising, or possibly the same policeman is going to call me back. I don't know. But the truth, but the facts are these. People behind there are not wearing masks, okay? Not everybody. There is a much bigger uptake of mask wearing than there was. Certainly, Gales, my next door, uh, which, as you may know, uh, for those of you not in, in, in London, Gales is the place where everybody who can afford 400 pounds a cup of coffee goes to buy a cup of coffee and about a thousand for a loaf of bread. Of course I do regularly. 
because they weren't wearing masks. And they said, it's not the law. And I said, well, that doesn't matter. You, by definition, people who are regularly engaged in, uh, with the public are the people who are most at risk. This law is not being enforced. They travel on the underground regularly. I have yet to see a single person on the underground, or by the way, on the trains that I've called as well, enforcing the law. When I have inquired, I have been told the only people who can enforce it are British Transport Police. When you say to somebody who works at a railway station or a tube station, why don't you stop people from coming on? There is a blank look. When I said to the person in Gales before it became the law, look, you wouldn't let somebody walk in here with their dick hanging out. So why don't you stop somebody from coming in here with, a, with a, wearing a mask? They said that was a ridiculous comparison, but it is not. It is exactly similar. They do stop people coming in if they regard them as uh, causing some sort of offence. Every retailer has the right to refuse entry. You've and made you, your and, point. And, and if you go on the underground, very clearly. it's a crime. That's it's my a point. Crime. It's I know, that's crime. why you're here, because we're a true crime podcast. We spoke before we started recording about Mar being on TV on Sunday, interviewing Boris Johnson. And he said the most important thing was that people followed what he called the guidance. And he mentioned wearing a mask, but it appears yeah. it's actually on the streets, it's not being enforced. But also I well, thought that if, you're go if you go into one of these places, a shop or a cafe, then yes, no. you need to wear a mask until you sit down and start actually consuming your coffee. But I thought right. that the staff, for the staff in the place, uh, mask wearing was discretionary. No, it is now compulsory. It has been for 10 days. Oh, because people in Tesco don't wear masks at all. I actually quite like but it they, that they don't, because I can see them. That they must. And it's not about no. you seeing up? them. It's about transmission of this virus that's in a pandemic. No, they, it's the law. No, fair enough. I didn't know that. I, I don't think anybody knows the law. I, I have to say, and, and to be honest, I, don't, I, I must admit, on this, in, this, in this instance, I think making it a law is stupid. Just keep it as guidelines and let people just do, do it as they see fit. It's not stupid. No, that is completely <laughs> ridiculous. I'm sorry. And yesterday... <laughs> The authority who off uh, in America, I can't remember the name, estimated that 86,000 lives could be saved in America between now and Christmas merely by the wearing of face masks. They are a proven barrier to getting this disease. Well, there are two things at play here. One of them is you two are clearly in different, <laughs> on different pages when it comes to transmission. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. don't understand, Ben, how you can not... Yeah. How he, I mean... Surgeons wear masks, you know, masks are protective things. It's, it makes sense to me that they stop the tiny particles from transmitting a virus. Is that, do, do you not think that, Ben? Uh, yeah, sure, I do. Well, why don't you think Tesco's people should wear, just because you want to see them? No, I don't care. I just think, I actually, I actually think that the, the disease will kill some people and most people won't be killed by it. But isn't it sensible to stop the disease being caught by people? I think it's overkill. I think those who are grotesquely fat or very old should wear masks and stay away, and the rest of us should carry on as normal. Ben, <laughs> you ben. should have gone on Mar and said that. Ben, <laughs> I, yeah. Ben, yes, as it happens, I, I do agree with you in that I absolutely think we have to live to learn to live with something. I just Thank say, you. So let me just go on with this point. It is true, according, as far as I understand it, that the death rate, if you catch it, overall in the population, is about one in 100. 
that if you're under 50, those who have died from COVID represent about, represent about two in 100. And if you multiply those together, you get a risk of people under the age of 50 at being a risk of about one in 5,000 of dying if they get, they contract it. The current latest rates of uh, infection are, in the general community are, rep- are supposed to be one in 500. Now, it's probably slightly higher now, but that's because the last one, I can tell you, was up to, I believe, the uh, weekend of the 21st of September. But uh, maybe the week before, I'm not sure. But that's one in 500. So to be traced in the contact the, uh, contact tracing system, you have to, they will trace you if you spent 15 minutes or more in the company of someone, I believe, not wearing a mask or social distancing. Now, out of 500 people who you might meet daily, how many do you think the one in 500 who are infected, how many do you think you might meet in a day if you wear a mask yourself and if you essentially socially distant? I don't know. <laughs> the connection keeps breaking up. <laughs> Either way, can I get on to my second point now? Would not make 15 minutes. Talk to somebody uh, less than six. The problem is, I would suggest it's Sunday yeah, morning, <laughs> and you've probably got more people using Zoom. Zoom. You've probably got more people using. Can you keep us updated from the mean streets of London? No, because I'm trying to explain something to you. Just listen to me. If you say that you're stupid enough to stay within 15 minutes of somebody not wearing a mask and not at six feet distance for uh, more than two people a day, and you're under 50. That gives you a one in a one and a quarter million risk on a daily basis of of dying from COVID. Five times higher, five and a half times higher than running the risk of dying in a road accident. But it is still very low. And what I'm saying is I broadly speaking agree with Ben. But wearing a mask is probably the most effective means of keeping disease at bay. For Ben to be so cavalier, although it doesn't surprise me from having heard him on previous occasions. Do you wear a helmet on your bike, Ben? Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, just to be clear, I do wear a mask, but I just don't think there's much use to it. But I do do it as a courtesy to other people. Yes, well, there you are then. I didn't realise, I thought that people working didn't have to wear them. I thought it was only the people going in who had to wear them. But that's why I'm a warrior, Ben. And you are just, you know, somebody sitting on the sidelines, waving, you know, aimlessly in the wind. Mask Warrior, Mask Warrior, I'd like to say thank you very much for coming on and, to the and, podcast uh, again to abuse Ben. That's always a valiant <laughs> role in my eyes. I thought you said not a warrior, person. as in, well, I'd like I, someone who worries, not warrior. Can I ask you a question? A warrior, <laughs> I, I, actually, I am one of the warrior well. Now, uh, uh, <laughs> the warrior well. Here. <laughs> can I ask you one question? Can I ask you a question seriously, guys, before I go? I yeah. just want to know, on a scale of one to a million, okay, how much sympathy do you have for Donald Trump on a scale of one to a million? <laughs> okay. I, I, on a, okay, on a scale of one to a million, if, if yeah. zero is not no sympathy at all and a million is lots of sympathy, then in, yes. uh, in terms of sympathy, I have zero sympathy. But that doesn't mean I okay. wish him well. I hope he makes a full recovery. But I don't, I'm not sympathetic at all. Okay, all right, okay. okay. Uh, Your answer, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't wish him dead because for some bizarre reason, I, I can't wish it. I just find myself 
you know, I, I have some sort of, you know, inbuilt inability to wish somebody dead. But honestly, my period of mourning will be at a record, you know, it will be, <laughs> won't be long, that's all I can say. Um, I said a million. Believe... Would you think I was lying? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> that's, that could be a question on a lie detector test, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, instead of the scale of one to a million, we could just put it on a scale of one to two. And, uh, which are, <laughs> I'd be, <laughs> or zero to one, maybe. <laughs> I'd be zero. Well, all I, can say, all I can say is that I can tell you that I believe that a plank is the shortest measurement of time in science, P-L-A-N-C-K. Yeah. And I think I'm going to break that record in my period of mourning. So that <laughs> is... <laughs> However, I know that I'll be joined by m most of humanity, so I'm not going to get much of an entry into the Guinness Book of Records. Yes, and, uh, yes very true. Yeah. Last Warrior. Yes. Thank you Goodbye, very much guys. for keeping us up to date from live from Queen's Park. Okay, I thought that was really good, despite the quality a bit. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, he does bring flavour to the table, but it just shows that um, Margaret Ferrier, the whole of the British population, no, I'd say how many percent of people are naughty? Kiosk man, kiosk man's daughter. I'm not totally convinced that I could actually be bothered to challenge somebody and say you should be wearing a mask. It's just, I, I suppose I'm not... As I I'm told not... you, I did it. With the yes, shop assistant, because I felt yeah. sorry for her having to do it on her own. And they were a bit of a sort of, you know, the kind of the youngsters with the, the young women with their eyebrows drawn on with marker pen. What, what's that <laughs> yeah. about these days, by the way? Yeah, well, I mean, what, that, what, you'd think the simplest thing for them to do is be to draw their masks on with marker pen and then no one would be able to tell them anything. <laughs> you draw your whole face on with marker pen. <laughs> <laughs> Go around really grumpy and have a massive smile in red. <laughs> okay yeah so um so i do you don't know yeah. you you don't have any qualms about having a go at people i've seen you have a go no, in I don't. public I, no i don't at all you're right and i've often done that but the whole mask thing i feel i'm i've got really mixed feelings on it i will i do it because it's what it's the guidelines and it's this whole yeah you're doing it to protect other people thing so yeah okay i'll do it but i really hate masks i don't like seeing other human beings faces i think it makes us all faceless drones and i don't I'm not totally convinced. If you're, unless you're actually coughing or you're spluttering, then I'm not entirely sure what... I mean, if you're still breathing, then, you know, you, you, you're going to breathe other people's air, whatever whatever happens. It's, it's the, the whole droplets and coughing and spluttering that I thought was the problem. I thought that's what masks protects you against, not just regular air. Because the, the thing is, if, if, the, if this virus is actually in the air rather than just contained within droplets, then first of all, it dies very quickly. But secondly, it'll get through a mask anyway because you breathe through a mask. It's not like a mask actually stops your breath in its tracks. <clears throat> no, but and it's the... the particles. And I've seen it. I'm sure. Haven't you seen it, Ben? Yeah, but I'm no, sure but everyone this listening has seen that particles thing. Yeah, sure. But the particles then are droplets of water, of moisture, that have the virus in them. And yes, the mask, I suppose, stops those. But they only come out of your mouth if you're actually coughing or spluttering, don't they? The the, the, yeah. the the actual virus itself, if it's a, if it's a single virus particle that's floating around in the air, that is so tiny that the threat of a mask isn't going to stop it because it's minuscule. It'll easily, it's virtually like, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it's like, um, oh, um, throwing something small through something with a very large mesh. <laughs> I'm struggling to think of a good example here. <laughs> okay, the the camel through the eye of the needle. 
Or, well, or like, <laughs> well, or trying trying to thread a needle through the eye of a camel. Well, that sounds painful. Ow. Yeah, quite. Nobody wants that. Right. Well, people make splutters and it's like, okay, how many times, Ben, have you and I been when we used to talk to each other normally rather than all this weird COVID stuff that we'd be like, oh, spray it again. You know. (laughs) Well, okay, quite often. And that was just you. you, That's only because you'd make me laugh and then my laugh would be sort of like, (laughs) and that would cause an expulsion (laughs) of air. I like your acting mirth. (laughs) (laughs) It's Santa. <laughs> Santa Ben. What's in his sack, everybody? Right. It's a load of COVID. <laughs> COVID it's a load for Christmas. of face masks that he doesn't use. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. But no, Richard was right. He's gone a bit far with it. But at the same time, I've noticed that people, people just don't care. But it's part of the young people. I saw them sort of hands on hips going, oh, we don't, we don't care. We don't care in the supermarket. You know, they were making... Not supermarket, it was a shop. They're making a point. And I think people think it's cool because I saw quite a few. It was in a in one of those in the shopping centre in town. And I think they're making a point. But it's just not... If you can do one basic little thing, if you're... You know, how do you know you're going to sneeze? If you've got a mask on, at least you contain it. Yeah, that's true. It's a fair point, I suppose. And also, I just quite like people containing themselves. I like an excuse to get away from people physically... I don't, I've never been much of a physical contacty, bring it in for the hug type of person anyway. But I love You're not the a fact people that... person at all, are you, Mitz? You hate everybody. No, I love people. I, do, I feel <sighs> very weird when I'm not around people. Actually, I don't like it. So I'm mm. sort of ish and then I have enough and run away. <laughs> you, you, hate, you love people right up and put the point until you get to know them and then you hate them. <laughs> yes, yeah, just a usual dysfunction. Anyway, I want to talk now. Well, talking of people who Are we hate people. We'll talk about hairy people in a minute. We should, might we talk about hairy people? <laughs> we might be, but first let's talk about sexy people or sex cult people. <laughs> sexy people. That's quite so, different from someone doing human trafficking, Ben. I'm going to introduce this new crime story. Is it, true is crime it sexy story. time? Um, well, make your own mind up on that. So, this <laughs> is. Um, so, Seagram. Seagram is a company that used to manufacture alcoholic drinks and mixers and all this and it was a multi-million pound company um it's it's kind of been sold off and things have gone rare but the family that created it the Bronfman family um one of their heirs is a lady called Claire Bronfman who is a US heiress so she's one of these sort of American women who you know has zillions and squillions of pounds in the bank anyway she has been jailed she's been sent to prison for six years and nine months for her role in the Nixivum sex trafficking group. Now, Nixivum is spelled N-X-I-V-M. Actually, I it says here that you're supposed to pronounce it Nexium, but I think it's a lot more fun if you say Nixivum. It's available of, in all good chemists. Because of the poncy wankers spelling it wrong. Um, it's like two consonants, one of them is X, then a vowel, then another two consonants, and one of them is a V. So how are you supposed to say that? Anyway, so this Nexium is, um, was run by this guy called Keith Ranieri, who um, it's alleged has been essentially running this this kind of organisation. It's he he says it's like a, a self help group to help people kind of like you know go through a program and discover their inner whatever it is and all that nonsense. Typical American shit. But um, oh, oh, sorry, American listeners. We love our American listeners. Yeah, we love our American listeners. But let's and face actually, it, you're a bit American that, too. So I am actually got some off. American. I have got some American blood in me. That is true. But there is no also no denying that there's an awful lot of this kind of like. Um, 
I don't know, nonsense in America. So so this, he runs this self-help thing called Nexium. 16,000 people join it, but apparently in the sort of the, the inner core, um, this trial of um, uh, Claire um, Bronfman has heard that it operated something like a cult and that there were a sort of hardcore around uh, 15 to 20 women who had to have sex with Keith Raniere and um, he, he is now basically going on, on trial accused of, of trafficking. I she have an actually, idea. Yeah. I have an idea. Okay, Keith Raniere, I say it Raniere, Raniere? Raniere. Raniere. Um, should have hung out in Halden. And, done, and just done some dogging. If he wanted that much, it's all going on down here. He could have done a dogging self-help group. Yeah. Hey, and then guys, it will you're be not with... dogging effectively. Well, maybe he just wasn't into... Oh, yeah, Raniere. Um, Get in touch with consent. your inner dogger. Huh? <laughs> woof, woof. <laughs> OK, yes, that, that was just a thought. Anyway, so Sorry. Bronfman, Claire Bronfman got... Um, a relatively lenient sentence. Uh, what was she jailed for now? Oh, yeah. Six years, nine months. Um, because according to her defence counsel, she um, wasn't really in directly involved. Um, and she also apparently has a pre-existing health condition that in prison would make her more vulnerable to coronavirus. Um, prosecutor says she should be given uh, a serious punishment because her millions of pounds effectively helped Raniere to commit these um, trafficking crimes that um, he is alleged to have done. And he's actually um uh he has uh, been convicted of um how do you know? let me just check that you love that fact what fact that her millions of quid could have helped him um what i'm doing is i'm tweeting the story so that you can have a look at claire bronfman because she's quite an unlikely character for all of this kind of I mean, on. she does actually. I mean, she did say that Nexium had greatly changed her life for the better, and she actually refused to denounce Raniera as well. So, um, you know, I mean, clearly the, the, this cult has still got its claws in her mind in some way, even though she's being sent to prison for credit card fraud. Ah, stay away from cults, kids. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> quite a it, difficult kids. one to do a podcast about without being saying. I'm not saying the c word two shows in a row now. <laughs> you you have you been in a cult? Have I been in a cult? No, I don't think I'm a cult type, really. You? Um, no, I don't think. But okay, so when I used to live in Northampton, there was this kind of thing called the Jesus Army, and that's a bit of a cult. Uh, <laughs> but my friend John Ironmonger did a lot of work um, looking into the Jesus Army and what they were getting up to. Um, and then when I was in uh, Nottingham, working for a local radio station there, do you remember the? Um, the Branch Davidians and the Waco and David Koresh yeah, and all yeah. that thing. Well, there were some people from Nottingham who had joined a, a, a similar faction of one of these weird churches. And I think some of them were actually in the ranch when it all went up in flames. I don't know if they died or not, but um, yeah. So, so yeah, I've done a bit of kind of culty stuff in the past reporting. But no, I've never wanted to join a cult. I just have to think, why would you worship one person and think they're going to solve all your problems? You'd have to be... I think I think I think some people are vulnerable to that kind of thing, aren't they? They're looking for answers. They're looking for somebody to sort of tell them that everything's going to be okay, and they they fall prey to these often quite charismatic people um, with with kind of names like Koresh or Raniere or Manson, of course. You know these these yeah. chaps. Yeah. All right. Was, was, what was yeah. that? What was it? Was it Jimmy Jones, the one in who in the entire island of people um, kind of? Just basically, as far as we, as far as could be seen, they seem to have all just killed themselves. They all took poison. 
It's fascinating. It's really interesting because you hear old curls, oh, that's a bit boring. They're all a bit smelly. And no, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> but it is actually quite interesting when you get into like the mass kind of, I mean, essentially on a very on a very subtle level, it's stuff that's going on with all of us on Facebook and, you know, sort of brainwashing, really. So, yeah, I mean, so, Ron, so Ranieri, according to prosecutors, claimed he was the smartest, most ethical person in the world. And he would compare himself to, <laughs> to Albert Einstein and Mahatma Gandhi. And he, but he would brainwash and blackmail women in this secret society within the sort of the overall kind of self-improvement organisation. I'm sure on the fringes it was all fine. It's just when you got to the sort of the rotten core. And p- prosecutors said that he had a... It was almost like a sex cult pyramid scheme. He would recruit women as slaves, force them to have sex with him. And this, this cult membership um, reportedly included Hollywood actresses, heiresses, and even the son of a former Mexican president. And some of these people testified against Ranieri, although I don't know if it's if his son's name was Sanchez or not. <laughs> so tell me, Mr. Testify- Sanchez, when did you realise that Mr. Ranieri was just a dirty man? Um, uh, Mr. Sanchez, Sorry. are you okay? <laughs> do you need a Do you need a towel? <laughs> He's like to wipe myself. No, so and but they did hear from one woman whose name in court was given as Daniela. It's not her real name, and she, what she said was that she her parents came from Mexico and joined this cult, and she was groomed, and her parents were kind of groomed. They were told that she was bad, that she was evil, and the only way <clears throat> that she could be made good would be by basically having to give her virginity to this guy Ranieri so in the in the days and weeks leading up to her 18th birthday this was all talked about and when she turned 18 um, she was sent to him and he had sex with her um, and then she became his kind of she said she was groomed such that she would basically p- brought in to give him oral relief once or twice a day <laughs> okay can I just say Giving virginity, in my mind, that is like someone holding something in their hand and offering it, right? That's that's okay. when I see giving virginity. It's not actually very much to do. It doesn't paint a mental picture of the actual bump and grind that went on there. That's actually the wrong expression to compare it to. But you know what I mean, the dirt. And um, what was well, the other know, one you no, just the, said? The, the point, but, the, but that was the point, though. The point was this is how it was framed. It's framed that, you know, this has got to be done because she is full of these, I don't know, evil spirits or there's something wrong with her. I don't exactly know what the, sort of the triggering was. And the parents bought into this and they agreed that this is what had to happen. And then you wonder how it is people can get brainwashed in this way, but they do. Well, if it hadn't been for brainwashing, I wouldn't be here. Why, who washed your brain? You did. You brainwashed me into doing something with someone who uh, doesn't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) What, I brainwashed you into doing podcasts with me and I actually don't want to do it? That's right. I'm a pod pod bot. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey. This is a pod cult. Right. Yes. Can you tell me about a dad who wanted to get out of his child maintenance by uh, by fiddling a DNA test? Uh, yes, I can. That sounds really good. And so does a burglar yeah. caught thanks to the fruitful endeavours of police forensics. Oh, that was funny, that one. So, yeah. It's... <laughs> I do, I'll do this one. You do the other one. Okay. Oh, sorry. Hang look on. at you giggling away, really wanting to do it. And then I go, I'll do it. 
a burglar who left a half-eaten peach at the scene of his crimes being jailed after police forensics were able to use it to obtain a DNA match. 27-year-old Aaron Burton had broken into a home in Ashington, Northumberland, on October 9th last year and grabbed a peach from the homeowner's fruit bowl. Two crimes! I love the way that criminals get caught doing stupid shit. He also helped himself to sweets and chocolate before fleeing. <laughs> but you've heard, do you not, is there not that thing that uh, supposedly happens where criminals panic in, during burglaries and end up having to relieve themselves? Oh, is that about panic? I didn't, I never, I'm really interested that it's about panic. Yeah, I think so. I think they get really nervous and they they have to sort of like, you know, evacuate their bowels. But I don't know if that's often de- tested for DNA. I suppose it could be. I yeah, thought it well. was a dirty protest. A dirty protest. <laughs> We're back here again. The dirty burglar. Um, yeah. But but there are actually some really cool ways that burglars... So this guy's left his DNA on a peach and that's how he's been caught. Obviously his DNA was already on file. But there was another burglar, I remember, who was caught because he pressed his ear against a glass window to listen to see if any of the homeowners were in and when they weren't he burgled but they found his ear print and burglarized he burglarized but um apparently your ear print is as unique to you as your fingerprint is oh my god omg as they say omg down with the kids that's really funny that listening at the door what's the one you want me to talk about a bit more careful I want to know about the DNA, going from one DNA to another DNA case, about the paternity test and the... Oh, yeah. Have you got that? Hang on, give me a second. You flagged this up to me. Yeah, I did. I know, and now I can't find it. Get your freak on. I found it now. Here we go. Yeah, so so DNA on the peach leads us to um, a man who (laughs) faked a DNA test. (laughs) DNA on my peach. (laughs) So DNA on this this peach. So this is another DNA story. And this is a guy, this guy faked a DNA test so he could avoid paying child support for his two sons. This is 36-year-old Stephen Dixon asked a friend to take a DNA mouth swab to send to the child maintenance service. Um, Because... Two women, two different women, had applied to the child maintenance service to request support, claiming that Dixon was the father of their sons. And um, Is there a picture? There is a picture of Dixon. Is he on Doc Green? <laughs> He's not. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if that's his Tinder profile photo or just a, a police <laughs> mugshot. <laughs> Does <laughs> it look he, nice? Um, <laughs> but he pleaded guilty to um, at uh, Chester Crown Court, um, and he'd fa- he admitted he admitted the fake swab with a form stating that the sample had been taken by a doctor uh, in Warrington, and the form appeared to have been signed by uh, a doctor. John Kisler. But uh, in a witness statement, Dr. Kisler said he hadn't taken the sample or completed the form and the signature on it was not his. He'd also never even worked at that surgery. So... And as a result of this fake test, the child maintenance people contacted the two mums and said that Dixon isn't the biological father and so he couldn't be asked to provide financial support. But they, they, they said, damn right, he bloody well is. And they, they contested it. And also, of course, the great thing here is that they then did DNA tests on these two boys, these two children, and found them to, def- to be half-brothers. So it kind of um, started to build up a bit of a picture against Dixon. Oh my God, and it course, sounds like Plymouth. Yeah. Is it, where is it? <laughs> it's in it's in Warrington in northwest England. We do a lot of cases in the northwest, north and northwest, don't we? Yeah. So anyway, so then um, the National DNA Database um, 
got involved. The police did a search and they found that um, the DNA that was submitted to the child support people matched that of somebody different called Kenny Jones. He was arrested and he, and he then said that Dixon had asked him to provide a swab for him, Dixon, to send to his own alcoholic father to try to prove that he wasn't his son. Uh, now, no money apparently was exchanged. It's not like um, Dixon paid Jones for this for his DNA. But it, it was purely to avoid paying child support. Anyway, oh and the, the prosecutor said, Stephen Dixon is a liar and a cheat who's gone to extensive lengths to deny the father fatherhood of his own two children. Oh, it's shocking, really. I mean... It's pretty awful. It's a pretty horrible thing to do. I had this conversation the other it? day um, with a dad, and he just had no clue as to why anyone would not... Look at me getting all serious again. But somebody has to. somebody has to have their nose to the ground here. Doggedly pursuing the crimes but yeah would i mean that's quite weird and also with people who deny okay right i'm being quite judgmental i admit it but people who don't want to even see their child at birth don't you have some kind of it don't you go down the street thinking i know i've got a child could that be them you see someone like you and yeah. You know, you know, we've talked in the past about people who think they're cleverer than kind of lawyers and clever than the, the cleverer than the courtroom and everything. Yeah. Well, what's also quite funny is that so um, Stephen Dixon wrote to the child maintenance service and he, <laughs> he he he's he's written this letter and he's kind of obviously tried to phrase it in legal sounding clever talk. So and, and I just love. I'm going to read this out to you. This is what was read out in court. The pursuit of myself from both you and my ex-partners is now becoming tantamount to harassment. <laughs> this pers- this pursuit is now affecting my own life as if it wasn't traumatic enough on both occasions to find out neither of these children were mine at the time, which I believed them to be, to now having to relive it all again and even on having it proved by yourselves, by DNA, that they are not mine, to then still being pursued... It is simply not acceptable to be allowed to continue. Everything becomes a blame game the other way around. And they're like, oh, what should I do? I'm really up the shit and I don't know what to do. Oh, I know, I'll just blame them. Uh, I'm going a bit potty because I want to go to the the hairy story. You're on your potty? I'm I'm on the potty and I'm (laughs) deaf and it's all going to shit. Um, Let's, okay, I've got to find this story because it's good. Because I didn't want to do it, did I? I said, it's not crime. Where did it... Oh, yes, that's why it crept in. It was Margaret Ferrier's moustache. <laughs> Margaret Ferrier. Although it wasn't her moustache. We just made that up. Yeah, we've made that... Yeah, yeah, sorry, we should just say we've completely made up. I mean, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, Margaret Ferrier could have the uh, most hairless lips. I mean, she's no hair below the eyebrows, I'm sure. We made Margaret it up Ferrier. as a segue to laugh about Darcy Sanchez for approximately <laughs> now. If you add up all the laughing, probably about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway well, and to talk about naughty covid people as well uh, well naughty covid people they should be talked about and and you were like okay here's my offering this is your homework for the show was it here's my offering our complicated <laughs> relationship with body hair removal and grooming tell us why you chose this ben well because of margaret ferrier going to the beauty salon no you didn't she... know about margaret ferrier yet <laughs> i just thought it looked funny so have you have you heard of january no, but I've I've heard of Stoptober, so I've officially stopped and letting everything grow for October. What, on your moustache? To be allied with my sisters. I've now got a... Um... 
has Mariana tripped over? I've got a dirty Sanchez of a moustache. <laughs> I've grown it out of real hair. Hasn't uh, hasn't Mariana sort of reached up and started grabbing your chin hairs? That's a horrible thing to say. This is the thing, okay? Do you know what? When I watch this video through, I'll tweet this as well so that you can have a look because it is quite funny. And it's got a picture of like a woman with her arm up and a sprout under her arm. And then a leg is just jammed in there like the sausage on Grange Hill. (laughs) 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 So my um, my ex-mother-in-law... used to work at this opticians in london many years ago and one time she she had this old woman come in and they were trying on these glasses anyway this this old lady had like um a hair on her shoulder and so on um, her shoulder on her shoulder she had just a hair like a like a, a hair just on her shoulder like it's fallen off her head or something it's resting oh, on her right, shoulder I see. so she I sort of reached out hair with... growing out of her shoulder well <laughs> so she reaches just to sort of flick this hair off her shoulder <laughs> yeah. and she plucks it away and she plucks it and then it sort of it won't move and she realizes <gasps> that it's connected to a wart on this woman's chin oh. and it's about seven or eight inches long oh. and she's pulling it and the woman's wart is all moving towards her. Oh. sick bag uh, we need a I sick know. bag jingle <laughs> okay, I'm, well, I'm, sure I'm, not to be, I'm not trying to be like prudish about this but that's grim that is pretty grim, isn't it? But it's interesting what you find grim because really a bit of hair on a body is... And if you see children, like yeah. babies and stuff, they're hairy and it's lovely. Like they've got little hairy backs when they're born and stuff and they're lovely. Don't you find? <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, my eldest daughter when she was born was quite a hairy child and she had like a, she had like a little dent in the front of her head and it, effectively that caused her to have like a complete monobrow. <laughs> Oh, they're sweet. She looked like one of those guys, um, like, what's his face out of Oasis? Noel Gallagher. <laughs> you had a baby Noel Gallagher. <laughs> Their unibrow. <laughs> See, that's, that's cute and fluff and fuzz and stuff. But weirdly, there's a line, isn't there? And this journalist, Ni- how, do you, how do you pronounce N-I-A-M-H? It's pronounced Neve, but I'm just going to say Niam. Niam. Yeah, Niam. <laughs> Hughes, right? Does this yeah. reporting. And then she grows Niam out. Niam Hughes. She does the news. <laughs> she does hairy news. <laughs> she does hairy news. <laughs> well, she lifts Nevi up her Hughes, arm, it's hairy news. Which is presumably part of the piece. They'll go, okay, everyone, who wants to do this piece on body hair? And I presume they're throwing it out amongst women because that's the point. And, they all, and everybody in the newsroom turned as one and looked pointedly at hairy Neve. And then they go, okay. And then Neve is like, yeah, me, Neve. And they go, okay, Niam. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, right? But she then, presumably, you buy into having to grow your own body hair as part of the experiment. Otherwise, get somebody else to do it. She hardly could lift her arm up to show her underarm, her hairy arm. And I thought, why are we so weird about this? Oh. Say, for example, I've been teaching sort of dance and fitness for donkey's years. It used to be quite a sort of shameful thing and you'd never dream of going into a class without being, you know, quite fastidious about depilation first. <laughs> Alan, yeah, but remember, Mar- I'm, Margaret I, I Ferrier. Think I, I'm sort of coming at this from a different direction because I'm half Italian. And as, when I was a kid and we used to go to, uh, you know, spend summer in Italy, um, it was... The young women there just no, nobody shaved their armpits. It was kind of like it was a, the normal thing to be hairy in, in Italy. And I th- in fact, I think that's now changed. And they are they're sort of ter- they're becoming more. I think the hairless thing has kind of come in from America, hasn't it? 
I don't know, but I've it's always been with me since I've been growing up that it's been since you know you get to puberty, all of a sudden you start to shave your armpits and whatever yeah. else. <laughs> your I mean, certainly the, sort of the the whole the whole Hollywood thing has come in from Hollywood from porn, hasn't it? Oh, is it from porn? Well, I, I guess that's why it's called a Hollywood. Yeah, but what have armpits got to do with downstairs? Well, it's all about depilation of hairy bits, isn't it, on a lady? But I think these days you are allowed to have stuff because of this whole... It's because of Caitlin... Caitlin? Caitlin? I don't know how you pronounce her name. Caitlin Moran? Caitlin Moran, yeah. Okay, writing her? a book called How to Be a Woman and she set yeah. off a, like, muff revolution that you've all got to grow it back. Um, oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, against all this porn fascism. Okay. You I mean, like her, yeah, but thing, you? But this is going to be... Uh, yeah, sure. She, I think she writes really well, actually. Mm. But this is um, this is going to be one of those cyclical things where you know it was hairy growlers in the seventies, then it was you know like bald in the nineties, and now it's hairy growlers again. Then it'll be bald again another two years or ten years or whatever, won't it? We don't know whether we're coming or going. We, we don't know. We don't know whether we're shaving or growing. <laughs> well, we certainly know that when an, an SMP has been depilated, she should stay out of that pool. That's true. Huh. And on that happy note. Okay, yes. And uh, can I please mention the pod clash? Yeah. It's the clash out of the pods. Now for I your say perusal. pod, you say. How high? <laughs> How much do I clash? Um, yes, I so say you can... pod, you say cult. No, clash, yes. On all your platforms where you get your podcasts, you can listen to our pod clash with. A uh, few other great podcasters who you can find on our Twitter at YDLMF. Yeah, some great podcasters. Well, hang on, and what's us. our Twitter at YDLMF? Is that it? Yes. I never know that because I want to put the podcast on the end like the email. Anyway, so you can find that, find that there and you can see us our videos on YouTube with the links on there. So have a look. And um, if you're new to us, I hope you've survived the podcast. If you're here, you'll be back again. So do go to give us those reviews and um, the little stars. Doesn't take long. Just tick on it. And it sometimes please doesn't do turn it. up if immediately. It, yes, do please it. Please do it. If do only it to, to keep stop me off. Pitiful yeah. <laughs> pleading. A get, pitiful, needy, needy pleading. To get me off your case. Oh, glamorous news lady. Yes. Who, like well, it kind of tied in quite nicely with the last podcast, but it mm. is now in fragmented and messy. But we're really glad that you're well because um, we know that you have been feeling a bit rough and you went off for a test. But down here in Devon, the tests are really quick and easy. And you know that you haven't got COVID. So we're really pleased about that. Yeah. Uh, well done. So that's another addition to the COVID special. And um, talking of which... <laughs> COVID not very special. COVID medley. Yeah. Let's go and bye join everyone. it. Let's go and join bye a bye. cult. <laughs> okay. We'll create a cult. We'll create our own cult. Oh, this is one already. Oh, let me is give that? out the email because I want you to talk to us and tell us where you're listening from. And we appreciate your listens and we appreciate your interactions because we've got nice following people. And please do click and everything. What Rate, review and subscribe. Oh, is that what people say? If they're trying to no, sound you say rape because you've got crime <laughs> on the brain. Yeah, I have. It's true. All right. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.